One day, everything may seem just hunky-dory, and then a suddenly comes. A teenager rebels. An accident takes a life. The restrictions for COVID cause someone to lose a business. In Esther chapter 4, the Jews were at ease and content in Babylon when suddenly an edict is issued declaring they would all be killed in 11 months. But what do we do when a suddenly hits? How do you find God when you can barely breathe or think or stop the tears from rolling unbidden down your cheeks? Well, let's take a look at one answer today, the spiritual discipline of fasting. And welcome once again for tuning in to Storming the Gates. This is the next in our series called The Elements of Prayer. And today we're going to talk about fasting. Last Tuesday, I published a podcast in my uh, other series for such a time as this on Esther 4. And you know what? That to me is such a powerful and amazing chapter in the Bible. It is all the makings of a big screen production. There's an unexpected queen and an impossible situation and a call to complete the assignment you were born for. Well, a couple of listeners connected with the idea of fasting that we see in Esther 4. So I thought I would take the Friday Elements of Prayer show today and speak a bit about fasting. I know I'm going to have a lot more to say about fasting in upcoming episodes. But we can consider this an intro to this powerful form of prayer called fasting. Well, you may want to turn to Esther chapter 4, press pause and and do that. And when you read verse 1, you'll see that chapter 4 opens with Mordecai rending his clothes and donning scratchy sackcloth before going into the midst of the city, weeping and wailing with a loud and bitter cry. And then verse 3 goes on to tell us Mordecai is not alone. It says, In every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree, which was to destroy the Jews in 11 months, came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Well, is this just an Old Testament Jewish tradition? I mean, we don't run around sackcloth and ashes too often. But the entire Bible does demonstrate that refusing food for a season is a spiritual response to things that grieve our souls. Let me give you some quick examples. And I'm going to include the Bible references in the show notes below. So you can look those up on your own. Daniel fasted 21 days for his people to be freed from Babylon. Ezra fasted as he prayed for protection while traveling through dangerous territory. And Jesus rescued a child from a demonic spirit, and he said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. The disciples fasted and prayed for direction to ordain those called to ministry. So there are many examples, more than those. But in all these biblical stories, we see people needy desperate for God, desperate enough to give up food. Jesus himself gave up food for 40 days. 40 days, think of that, alone in a desert with no food. I mean, I have trouble fasting when I have a day off, even though I have my iPod to keep me company and it's warm and I have a bed. 
I can't imagine being alone in a desert with wild animals, weak from hunger. And Jesus stated himself in Matthew 9, verse 15, that his followers would fast after he ascended. My first year as a believer, I chose to only read the Bible. I needed to clear my head from all the denominational voices that were shouting from every church steeple. And one thing seemed clear to me as I simply read the Word of God. Fasting was a way to get in touch with heaven. Did it make sense? Does starving our bodies somehow make us holier or more deserving of God's presence? No, it does not. I know some like to attach sort of a ethereal power to the physical act of fasting. But I do not think the power lies in our bodies, in the mere act of going without food. But rather, the act of going without food demonstrates to God that we are willing to sacrifice something important, something that's even needful for life. And we do that in order to hear from him or gain a victory in prayer. In the Old Testament, bulls were sacrificed by being placed on an altar. As New Testament believers, we offer ourselves a living sacrifice. And one way we can do this is to deny ourselves things we crave and find comfort in. We put that pizza on the altar and look instead to the Most High. That is a way of saying, God, I crave you, your presence, your life, your truth above even my sustenance. And God has spoken to me in the past that really any act of sacrifice is a fast, he recognizes. For instance, a few years back, a friend and I drove eight hours to attend a prayer event, and then we returned the very next morning. Well, that sacrifice of time was a fast of sorts. It was giving up my freedom and time off work to meet with God. There are many ways to fast. People fast from social media, from coffee, television shows. I recently did a 21-day no-soda-pop fast. There's just a lot going on in my life, but I wanted to do a little something, so I chose that. What I want to say, though, is that we see in Scripture that it is always a food fast. So while any sacrifice for God's kingdom is seen and acknowledged by him, I do believe something significant takes place when we fast from food. I think it is because nothing hits us in the gut. I mean, literally, um, or makes our flesh scream and rant and fight as much as not having food. If you have never fasted, try it and you'll see what I mean. Fasting places the flesh in subjection and makes it submit to our desire for more of God. And God sees that. And he honors that desire. I think it really touches his heart. Well, I could say much more about fasting, but I want to answer the question. I can picture some of you thinking, does it work? Did fasting work in the Bible? Did Daniel receive an answer? Was Ezra protected? Did the disciples go forth with a fresh anointing to serve? Well, the answer to all the above is yes. So here's one thing I find. When I am fasting, something seems to clear the airwaves, and I'm much more likely to experience a touch from heaven. This week, I've been fasting from solid food, and I also had a very difficult discussion with someone close to me. There's an area that we just were not seeing eye to eye, and that 
is challenging. The very next morning, I opened my Bible to like the perfect scripture that related to the very point that was troubling me. It seems when I'm fasting, God sort of begins to connect the dots of my life. My pastor says fasting is like a radio. Do you guys remember radios? You probably have one in your car. (laughs) Anyway, radios tune us in to God's frequency to hear him. Gets rid of all the static somehow. The air around us is like clear and and, uh, something just takes place there. I cannot tell you how many times during a fast that the scripture comes alive and ministers to me in, in a personal and direct way. Other things that have happened during a fast, uh, my husband's mother was diagnosed with cancer many years ago, and he chose to fast for seven days. At the end of that seven days, she had another test, and it showed no cancer at all. There was a young man that I was concerned about, and I fasted for uh, 21 days. There are other things I was fasting for, but he was definitely on my heart. The very day after I ended that 21-day fast, he prayed to receive the Lord and was changed. And I I don't want to say these things to brag about myself. I want you to be aware that I have personally experienced breakthroughs and miracles after a season of fasting. So therefore, if I, a simple, flawed, human being living the most ordinary of lives, far off northern regions, if I have known the touch of God through a fast, well, then I know you can. Is fasting hard? It is very hard. But is it worthwhile? It is. That's why there's a verse in Zechariah 8.19. I love it. It says, the fast of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will become joyful and happy festivals. I always say I hate and I love fasting because I hate feeling weak and I hate being hungry. But I so long and desire the presence and face of my Savior, the way I experience it in those times of separating myself to him through fasting, that I find I love what occurs during a fast. In fact, I am often weepy at the end of a fast because I know the sense of God's presence will diminish, at least to a degree, as I go back to my normal life of eating, drinking, and being merry. So I want to encourage you, if you have questions about fasting or thoughts or any, anything at all, please message me. I have a Twitter page at Storming the Gates. It's actually at Storming the Gat. Drop the E and put a one there instead. Storming the Gat one or at my Facebook page, Faith and Fasting. Faith has a lot to do with fasting. We'll talk about that in another episode. But I do have a Facebook page called Faith and Fasting. And if you have any thoughts or questions on this subject, I would be absolutely thrilled to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'm going to be back next week to continue the Bible study in the book of Esther for such a time as this. I'm going to see you there. But first of all, let's end with a prayer. Lord, I thank you that you have provided us a tool, a weapon, a powerful atomic bomb called fasting. Lord, that through fasting, so many wonderful things can happen, Lord God. And I ask that we will not be afraid to fast, but rather we will embrace it and see it as a joyful and happy occasion, knowing 
that you will see and hear. Father, I pray for the things that are grieving people's hearts today, the things that they don't understand. I pray for the suddenlies that have come in, and I ask, God, that you will enable them to uh, endure a fast, endure the time of grieving and mourning as they look to you, knowing that you will provide an answer. I thank you, Lord, that the answer is already waiting for them as soon as they turn to you. Hallelujah, Lord. You're awesome, and we love you. Amen.